Trigger warning. This podcast discusses themes centered around emotional, physical, and sexual violence. While the stories of the survivors are meant to be inspiring and informative, listener discretion is advised. If you are struggling with any of the aforementioned issues, links to resources can be found in the show notes of today's episode. Sure, no, it, there's no question. Look, people, I do write about this because in this story has all the sensationalism, all the glitz, and my life is far from glitzy, and all the media, which is great. It does support our story. We have social media support on Justice for Dan, uh, which is a, you know, a site on Facebook, and they do phenomenal work uh, and so forth. So, But the victims really do get lost in, in the story, and the children get lost altogether. This is part two of our two-part interview with Ruth Markell. Hi, Survivors. I'm Tara Newell. And I'm Collier Landry. And this is the Survivor Squad Podcast. Yay, another episode. Another episode, Tara. Yes, so we got a lot going on this week. Yes, we do. You did some updates for the Patreon, didn't you? Oh, yeah. I posted a lot on Patreon. And then we have an updated episode with Denise Winters coming out this week. And then... Oh, a Discord. I started a Discord today. I'm really excited about it because you've been telling me all about Discord for a while. Yes. And then I finally got on board because I'm going to be attending Haley Gray. She's going to be doing a live tomorrow talking about FOIA request. And so I wanted to join that. And then in order to do so, I had to create an account. And I'm like, oh, I might as well do Survivor Squad right now and make it for the Patreon. Yeah, we've already had people, you know, that are on our Patreon are all a part of the Discord. So it's it's a little community that's happening. Oh, yes. No, Tammy said hello and I got excited and I'm like, yes, I get to communicate with our Survivor Patreon people. So Tara, we have a, a guest today who's been like the last 10 days have been like a whirlwind for her. Oh, yes. We have Ruth Markell. She is the mother of Dan Markell. And you know a lot about the case. I became aware of this case. A friend of the show, friends of the show, Joel Waldman and Carm from Surviving the Survivor. But originally, uh, it was their partner, Stephen Cohen, that told me about this and introduced me to Ruth. And so Ruth's son is Dan Markell. And in July of 2014, Dan Markell was murdered in his garage of his home in Tallahassee, Florida. He was an FSU law professor. He had been recently divorced from his wife, Wendy Adelson, and they had two children. And it was a very bitter custody battle that was going on. But for years, you know, this is 2014 and we're in the end of 2023 now. They ended up finding out that there were two hitmen that were hired. Uh, one of them was a member of the Latin Kings gang organization in Miami, Florida and Fort Lauderdale area. And he brought his friend and they murdered Dan in his driveway. They were hired by a, a woman named Catherine McManawa, who was the ex-girlfriend, and she was a mother of one of these gentlemen's children. She had dated Charlie Adelson. Now, Charlie Adelson is the son of a prominent dental family in the Fort Lauderdale area. He's a periodontist, and what happened was, is he was just convicted last Monday in the murder of Dan Markell. So basically, he went to his ex-girlfriend and hired her to hire her two friends, and, and like I said, father of her children, who was a gang member, to take the life of Dan Markell. 
So first, the two guys went to prison. Uh, one of them rolled on the other one and got less time. He got 19 years. The other one got a life sentence. Then Catherine McVanawa got a life sentence. In 2022, her trial ended. And Charlie Adelson was arrested in 2022, in April of 2022. So he was just convicted. He was convicted on all counts. So the dominoes started falling with the two gang members and then the ex-girlfriend, then Charlie Adelson. And then on Monday night, his mother... Donna Adelson was arrested at Miami International Airport with a one-way ticket to Vietnam via Dubai because she was fleeing the country. Federal agents were on to her because she had told Charlie on the phone that she was either going to take her own life or she was fleeing the country to an, a non-extradition treaty country like Vietnam. The case is so, you know, I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing all of it. The case is so crazy. There are so many layers to it and it's just so insidious. So now she's being charged for the same crimes that Charlie was just convicted of. So when we had recorded this interview, Ruth, it was, I believe the end of 2022, they were right in the middle of all this, but you know, they had had these, these other convictions had already taken place for the two hitmen and the girlfriend. And now Charlie Adelson has been convicted. He will be sentenced on December 12th. And now his mother has been arrested and she's charged. Like they're all going to prison. The ex-wife, Wendy Adelson, she has the two children, Benjamin and Lincoln. And it, Ruth shares her story of trying to be involved in these boys' life. I mean, she herself is in her 80s now and been dealing with this. And um, it's just a really sad story. You know, as someone who's been through murder and just the court system in general, this did not have to go this way. This was just really, really tragic and 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 horrible. And, and this family, the Adelsons, for doing this for no reason. It's really sad, but but Ruth tells a very compelling story, and I'm 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 so grateful that she gave us some, some time on the program. Me too. Well, let's get into it. Let's do it. The second and even more important which is to lift the veil, picture a curtain, a veil, to the public to see what trial life is about, to see what it feels like to go through the criminal system, you know, to go through investigations, to go through hearings. We had multiple, multiple, multiple hearings until we got the first trial. Then we had the pandemic. So that was another postponement, you know, of Catherine's retrial. Then, then we, we had appeals, and even Garcia appealed. At the moment, Catherine is appealing her, um, her sentence. And then we, you know, you have like uh, Charlie Adelson just had the Arthur hearing. So how this story goes is two parts. There's grief, the trial life, and then there's my role in advocacy. And I'll explain to you the, the question you just answered, asked me about April 20th. The first two years, we were able to see the children. We had visits with them and so forth. Now, in 2016, you talked about being abandoned. There was all this talk about arrests, and I got uh, concerned and anxious in plain English that the children, my grandchildren, Benjamin and Lincoln, could be in a situation where if there's arrest, they'll go to the Department of Family and Children's Services. 
that was what I did not want to do. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's just standard for yeah. people that don't understand. Well, how does it happen? Like, it's just a procedure. Like it just happens. It'd have to sort of, as a family member, intervene with that <laughs> in a lot of ways. Exactly the point. So what I didn't want is at all any foster care, but I made an inquiry into uh, a, 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 an agency called JAFCO, Jewish agency, which is also uh, licensed by the Department of Family and Children's Services, not to have foster care, but to have a two night stay in case the children were without any family members in these, you know, South Florida members. Anyway, that that letter that I wrote to the prosecutor got out by mistake. And at that point, Wendy cut us all off from visiting the grandchildren. We didn't see the grandchildren for six years. So what happened in the period of time following that was we went on, we talk about the media, we were very privileged all along uh, to, there was a lot of media from day one on this case. And we went on Dateline, Phil, his dad's father, and we went on Dateline we went on ABC 2020. We went on quite a few shows and so forth to try to talk about the grandparent issue. Our lawyers talked to Wendy's lawyers, but nothing happened. It was at the point after um, Garcia's trial. Now, people had told me, I live in Canada now, that I should write a bill in Florida for grandparents. So grandparent alienation is a huge social problem. We have several distinct stories here, right? One is crime. And one is grandparent alienation and one is advocacy. Look, and you write about this on your website. You you talk about, and 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 this is the thing that sort of connected Tara and I. There is such obsession with true crime, right? And fascinations. Obviously, there's massive fascination around uh, Dan's case, right? The fabric that has been weaved by all these lives is pretty extraordinary if you look at it in like a sort of forest for the trees type of situation. What people don't seem to understand and what, again, was my impetus for making the film, getting into the, the work that I'm doing, why we're doing these podcasts is people are like, they're, oh, it's my favorite murder. Well, your favorite murder is the worst day of someone else's life. And also they don't think about like what happens to the children or, or the, again, these ancillary victims. I mean, this is a huge thing. And now the children, it sounds like what you're about to tell us is that they become pawns themselves in yet another leveling up of this sort of gamesmanship that is going on around the this horrific crime. It just gets worse. <laughs> and, and that's where people, I think, really lose sight of these things. They're just obsessed with the, oh, it's it's a murder. Oh, what happened with these? These are the very real consequences and impacts. Yeah. And that's, that's really what I was getting at. Sure, no, it, there's no question. Look, people, I do write about this because in this story has all the sensationalism, all the glitz. And my life is far from glitzy and all the media, which is great. It does support our story. We have social media support on Justice for Dan, uh, which is a, you know, a site on Facebook and they do phenomenal work uh, and so forth. So but the victims really do get lost in, in the story and the children get lost altogether. And, and and we don't know what they know and whatever, and, and it's a very difficult time. So what happened was I was encouraged to write a bill for grandparents. People said to me, you're not going to see the children unless you get some kind of a bill in Florida. Now, Florida has the most restrictive grandparents' rights um, 
legislation. And but I was I was I was coached, so to speak, but not yet ready. And uh, and that's another message, you know, talking about serious messages. There's many people who've lost a loved one and particularly a child. And you want to do something. You want to start a foundation. You want to do something to remember them. And you you kind of sit on it. And I and it took me three years till I really acted on the advice that I had. But I wasn't free yet from the criminal system. And then what happened? Garcia Garcia is convicted in 2019. I'm in Tallahassee, and I and I actually go. It's a funny story. I went to the hairdresser, and this young woman comes over to me, and she says, "Can I give you a hug?" And I said, "Sure." Mm-hmm. I knew she was Danny's age, lived in Tallahassee. I didn't, you know, mm-hmm. didn't really know her. And then she says, "Let's meet for a coffee afterwards." And I said, "Sure." So she says, what can I do for you? And I blurted out grandparent alienation. So here is what I'm showing you as the victim side of my feeling uh, was sort of getting resolved a little bit. You know, Garcia's convicted. Now I'm ready to take on the grandparent issue. Yeah. yeah. And she was amazing. And, and she said, done. She, I didn't know her at all. Her name is, you know, Karen, Karen Halpern Cypher. She has a big position in Tallahassee and the media company. She knew all kinds of people and, you know, introduced and you need politics, right? It's all related. And, you know, we in 2020, I met her in October. They had a like a bill that was went through the Senate. It didn't have time to go through the whole legislature, but the Senate passed it. But in 2022 is the big year. 2022, we had major success. Governor DeSantis just signed a bill for grandparents. In uh, June of 2022, it's called informally the Markel Act. That's not the proper name. It has a proper title, but like a bill name and a bill number. But what it allows is for families where there's a deceased parent and the other parent has either criminal or civil findings, okay, the grandparents can go to the court and ask for visitation. So this is really a, a big breakthrough where there is something like like a murder. We have not yet um, used it or not entitled to because there's not a criminal, uh, you know, citing yet on, on anybody like related. But the point is, after that bill was passed and Catherine's, um, I think, trial coming up and, you know, Wendy likes to enhance her profile before a trial. And what happened was that she called us in February and uh, mentioned that her her 13-year-old, now we're going back to some Jewish practices, is getting a bar mitzvah. And what happened was I said, you know, we haven't seen the kids for six years. We were delighted. Uh, Can we take them for ice cream the day before? The kids don't even know who we are. And they were little babies. Anyway, so then she wrote me back. You know what? She said, if you want an in-person visit, why don't you come in April? And, and that's what we did. So Phil and I, this is the beginning. We just saw that 2022 is the breakthrough. We saw the children on April 20th. We had an excellent visit. Yeah. We come back to Toronto, April 21st in the morning, I get a call from the FBI, Charlie Adelson's arrested. So this is a 24 hour period. Wow. Like two breakthroughs in this life of, you know, whatever. And uh, we didn't, we saw the children, it was a very nice visit. Unfortunately, after Charlie's arrest, in fact, two days after, Wendy disinvited us to the bar mitzvah. Oh, uh, it was a whole issue of safety, but we there was Zoom 
they, we could have been on Zoom, but that's another story. We're working on keeping some continuity so that the boys don't get abandoned by Dan's family, just to go back to your earlier feelings. Of, of course. And, and, you know, and again, I think that, it, you know, all this is, it sounds so easy, you know, to people that are like, well, well, yeah, they can just go stay with the grandparents. It's not, especially when you're dealing with criminal proceedings. What I get from you and, and not having known you longer than, you know, 45 minutes is you have gone through this entire process with such grace and compassion. You, you strike me as being that type of person. Life is always a matter of perspective, right? And when you can put yourself ahead of whether it be the anger or the resentment and and really focus on what matters, then you can ultimately start that you know journey to heal, right? I mean, would you concur with that? I, I look, I think a hundred percent we are all here in fact, uh, you know, homicide survivors, right? there's 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 a term here. We're homicide survivors, and we're also it's important to recognize too, victims victims in the law pre in the law proceedings like in other words there's legal legal issues of uh, for crime around victims right I, victim impact statements there there's a lot of uh, of it. it has its own course of action sure and and so forth but i i think we have to talk about uh you know the, the homicide survivors and what happens to them and i'm really one of the things about why i'm writing is all these school shootings now, like you have in the States, even, you yeah. know, since we started talking about from the book and everything else. And, and we have in Canada, we don't have the same amount frequency, but we have some really big events that have happened here. Sure. You know, 20 people, 25 people. But all these families are suffering. And, and, and that's what I think has to be talked about, because otherwise it just becomes glitz, you know, and it's one more crime TV show and one more other thing tabloid fair you know and it's and the obsession is it's unfortunate because it's almost an insatiable appetite for true crime and things of this nature and the sad thing is is that that appetite will never be satiated because it will never stop we do despicable things to one another but i also think there can be some hope i do believe you know here's the result that we had with 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 law resiliency. I mean, there are, you know, I call my message from grief to promise to hope to outcome, right? And I, and I think that's the, the message that us, those of us who are suffering can share with the other families who are suffering. Because so many people have said to me, like you say, thank you, by the way, for your compliments about, you know, grace and everything else. But others say to me, they would never get out of bed. They would never get out of bed. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey, Tara, as you know, I've been going back to therapy and I absolutely love it. You've been going back to therapy too, right? Oh yeah, I went back to therapy and I went back to BetterHelp as well. Did you really? And how's that working out for you? I love it because there's so many therapists to choose from on there. Whatever you need, you could just go through a list. I went through a list the other day, just seeing what they had to offer. There was one with PTSD. There's so many great therapists. I mean, I believe there's over 30,000 different therapists that are on their app and you can communicate with them with video conferencing. You can do messages and communicate with your therapist. It's a very personalized experience, which I really love. Oh yes. I texted with a therapist the other day and I'm 
never tried that out before. And I was like, oh, because I was typing it out with her, processing through it. And usually I get angry when I type stuff out. But I was like, oh, I was able to process it and work through it in a new way. And you know what? In a season of giving, what better gift than to give yourself the gift of therapy? In the season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Survivor today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Survivor. You know. Oh, yeah. If that situation happened. Well, I think they'll also like this just becomes your sense of normalcy, right? You just deal with it. And because it, it, that's part of resilience, right? You take the bull by the horns. You're like, okay, this is what I'm dealing with. I'm just going to handle it. And that's also a way of, pro of of processing grief, right? And processing trauma. I did a TED talk about this. Like, instead of looking at like, why did this happen? Go, what now? Like, what can I do to be of action? You know, that started for me in the morning when I woke up and my mother was missing, and I'm and I'm looking through her sheets for blood after I heard, you know, an altercation the night before. And, you know, I knew that she was killed and, but it's like, okay, I can't sit here and grieve my, my mother. I can only just lead it with some action. It was interesting because earlier you were talking about the veil and the coffin and you said the final nail in the coffin and that, that process of leading uh, towards your journey of healing. Right. I was never allowed to go to my mother's funeral. Yeah, that's too. I never had that experience. And it wasn't until I was on a stage 28 years later um, in my hometown of Mansfield, Ohio, screening my film that I got up there and, you know, I had found the prayer card for my mother's funeral in my journal. I hadn't seen this thing in over 10 years. I thought I lost it and it flopped out right before I, <laughs> I go to the theater. And I said on stage, I said, this, you know, life is circadian. And my mother used to work at this theater, like filling, you know, soda pops for kids and as a volunteer. And here we are. And I said, you know, I never got to go to her funeral, but this, in this theater right now, at this moment, we are having her funeral. That's true. I think you're doing a commendable job and you're also finding meaning in this terrible journey. I mean, it's not this tragic journey. Well, we all are. Exactly. So you get this, the, well, we call it the Markel Act for lack of a better word, but I think it's a wonderful name. I'm, I'm going to call it the Markel Act, whatever happened. <laughs> it is, it is called informally. It is known as the Markel Act. It, which is, which is so great. And then, and you're doing, you're doing all this from Canada. Correct. I have to tell you once, and I really want to compliment, there's, I have to be very grateful because you know the expression, it takes a village. So once I met Karen, okay, this is really important. Yeah. Uh, she lives in Tallahassee. I did know I needed to get lobbyists after she had started the first process, but I have had like overwhelming support. And she, with her team of people who live in Tallahassee now, you know, she, she has to work with the politicians, their staff people, uh, all, of, all of the other people in their own staff who were involved in media and so forth. So Karen has really orchestrated, you know, the whole, maybe maybe I wrote, like I actually say it another way as a better example. I'm maybe a passenger in the seat and, you know, and she now is the driving force, but I'm the one, the only thing I'll give myself credit was, I said we had to do something on grandparent alienation. So it's like if we're driving to New York, but, and, but everybody else is doing the work. So I have to just really, I am so grateful to what 
this whole community and politicians and lawyers and, and activists have done because it is, it is really not a solo act at all. Wow. Well, I can't believe like all the people that have helped. So how many people have been involved in this? If you don't mind me asking. In the grandparent uh, legislation? Yes. A lot of people, because first of all, um, you know, Karen is, is the leader, let's call it, right? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the back, although I, I do participate a lot, but she's got to do all the heavy, the heavy lifting. Sorry, what is Karen's name, her full name? Her full name is Karen Halpern Cyphers. The, she is and was the lead on the whole, grand, the whole grandparent legislation action. So basically what she has to do is find out where there's interest, you know, in with the politicians, right? So if it starts, you know, sort of small and low key. And she found that where there was where there's some interest and she uh, familiarized herself with some of the staff. We had one we had three attempts. The first year we got it passed in the leg in the legislature in the Senate, I should say. And then they decided that they better work on the bill language. So in 2021, they did workshops on the bill language. And then in 2022, actually, uh, it was the, the Speaker of the House, uh, Chris Brolin, who really decided, OK, I'm getting a Republican person to sponsor it and I'm getting somebody in the Senate. And then they worked through their grassroots. So that, like, so this is like a total mobilization and a lot of politics, too. Like, you know, you have to, you know, as you know, get getting a bill passed is not a, a you know, simple at all. And it's very short here. Tallahassee, I don't know what the other states are like. They have only the the, the uh, legislature is really open only for three months. Uh, like it's either January to March or depending if it's an election year, it's March to May. Like our, our legislatures work longer, different pacing. But anyway, we are so delighted. So and we had lobbyists and, and everybody works the program. And the other thing we do have is we have support on uh, Justice for Dan on social media. And they ran a petition before uh, saying that we should be allowed to see the children. And it's like, that's why I call it a village, you know, that expression, it's a village. And all of the pieces uh, really, really came together. Wow, that's amazing. It is amazing. And it's amazing, you know, that it, that it comes, like started in, in my head from my lawyers in New York. Yeah. It like, you know, to, to do it. But that's a message for these families. I mean, this is to me why I wrote the book. The book is really to help others who have all these thoughts. And, and as you both know, look, you did a movie. I don't know much about you, Tara, what, you know, but here you are running a podcast. But the idea is, you know, not to let it drain you and in, and in some way to find meaning to this trauma, because I think that's the, the real end result. And, 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 you know, and, and whatever it is, and by the way, the people who I, who I like the best for myself, people say, who do you model after, you know, that kind of expression. I like mothers against drunk driving. Look what they've achieved. That's you know, yeah. It's yeah, a good point. When you, you know, when, you, when, and they don't, you know, the founder, she has a very good expression about grief. I think you'll like it. She basically doesn't say you're getting over the grief. She basically says grief comes in three stages, the beginning, the middle, and the rest of your life. Okay. And, you know, and, and you might be still feeling that all of us here uh, and so on, but that doesn't mean you can start any kind of process of action 
and and so forth. And and so that is really amazing. You know, what are the things that you can do as a result of, you know, having a very, very difficult story? Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Well, just a little like tidbit about me. I actually brought in a lot into California for coercive control with Laura Richards and my mom, because my mom was in this toxic relationship with a psychopath and he never laid a hand on her, but we would be stalked. We were threatened on the daily. And so this bill really helps people that are in that type of situation be able to have a little legality, just like cover, you know, where they're able to get a restraining order a little bit easier opposed to, you know, that guy having a hand on you. That's wonderful. That's amazing. Thank you. So when did all this happen? When was your story? My story was, so my mom met John in 2016 or 2014. So like around the same time, but then 2016 was when my attack happened. And I like, he attacked me, he stabbed me a couple times. And then I was, I was with my dog and I was able to actually, I fell in my back. And at this time, the knife was apparent and in out of the Del Taco bag because he used a Del Taco bag to conceal it. And so I was able to actually kick the knife out of his forearm and it landed on my right hand side. And that's when I picked it up and I defended myself. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Thank you. Amazing. Yeah. You deserve a lot of credit. Thank you. Well, you do too. You know what you're doing is just so amazing. And it's so, I just like, it's cathartic, you know, too, because you're helping all these families and then it's, you know, they don't have to suffer as much as you did, if that makes sense. No, that's true. We're trying, but we're trying to minimize this. We're not taking away suffering, as you all know. Yeah. Uh, So if they can learn anything from our suffering, you know, that get those cheat codes, if you will, then that's, that's what makes me feel fulfilled, right? If you can get, because people will come to me and I'm sure I know they come to you and I know they come to Tara. They'll come and be like, okay, well, my story isn't like yours, but I grew up with abuse. I have to stop them. I say, look, my story is just so extreme. Right. Mine is so bonkers, so far out there that like that doesn't minimize the trauma you're experiencing or that what you've been through or what you're currently going through because that's unique to you. That's your own reality. And you can learn this from me. And there's no comparison necessary. It's not about that. It's about taking and learning those tools and going, okay, I'm going to use this to be in action, to be of service, to cope with all of this, to lead myself to a better life despite of these circumstances, this hand that I was dealt, right? And that ultimately what moves you past the murder, I feel, is doing these things that are in action. I tell people it doesn't get easier. It only seems to get harder in a lot of ways as more and more you become immersed in it because then you involve other people in your life and you're, and you're helping them with their trauma. But at the same time, it is remarkably fulfilling and what there's no better way to really remember well my mother noreen your son dan than by being by offering this gift to the world well that's really nice i i think it's very true and i think that you know you're you're stand you're you're in there probably longer 
than both of us. And I, you know, if you by 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 staying and really keeping the light on your tragedy, and but yet moving along, you know, to to bring others really to benefit from the learning and the experience, and and that you, not that you, I don't think you really leave the trauma behind you, but you can work the trauma, you know, along, right? Yeah. And. Uh, and move it out of your body. <laughs> exactly. And I, I actually think what you said is very important to the sensitivity that others who are in loss, uh, you know, feel that their their situation is so grave. And then they look at our situations, which are, of course, uh, much more dramatic. Before one of my last podcasts, and I'll share it with you that I did, I don't know how I came up with this phrase, but I find it so meaningful now, which is don't get lost in the loss. In other words, as you're going through trauma, and and many people are now, and the idea being don't get lost there, not live it, but but then, you know, move on a little bit. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah, I agree. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Ruth Markell, this has been such a pleasure to have you on the program. Uh, You're really something. And it's, again, with the grace and poise that you've handled all of this is exemplary. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your story today. Thank you both. And I think we're all hopefully an inspiration to each other. Yeah. Yeah, we are. You know, we're all <laughs> part of the energy. We have to keep it moving, going forward or moving. I don't say move, move it out because it doesn't move so fast, but just keep it, you know, energized really. Yeah. Where can we find your book? The book is called The Unveiling, A Mother's Reflection on Murder, Grief, and the Trial Life. Beautiful. It is now on available on Amazon. It's in all many, many bookstores. You can buy it online. I love that. You know, we we didn't ask to be a part of this, but uh, we are all part of the Survivor Squad. Yep. For sure. <laughs> I'll tell you, Danny's uh, using it in my book, too. Danny's one of his expressions was keep the fire burning. So so the message here is keep let's keep the fire burning, whatever we have to do to, you know, keep focus on, you know, helping people survive this trauma. Absolutely. I love this. Tara, what a story, right? Oh, yeah. It's just a lot to take in. And then even everything now i can't even imagine what ruth is going through now currently and you know our heart is with her during this time and sending lots of love to her family and to the grandchildren yeah it's um you know i know i started off the program really listing out everything but this the case is so complex and i I, you know i'm sure i've messed up my details somewhere but the case is so complex and layered. It's like a bad movie. The layers of deception and manipulation, it reminds me a lot of my father, just the way that it all played out. Because my father was so deceptive and involved so many people in his just in his bullshit. It's a lot. But you know, Ruth, you know, she stood up for what she believed in. She stood up for her son. It's an incredible thing to see that family finally get justice. Yes. No, and we have to connect her with her survivor group still. Yeah. You know, maybe go out, see her eventually. I would love that. And then, you know, if things don't work out with me, you know, she's she knows where to find them. What now? She made a joke about meeting a Jewish guy for me. I missed that part. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. Yeah, she told me I need to go on J-Date to find a man. Well, there you go. Well, good luck, Tara. Um, <laughs> I wish you all the best with that endeavor. On that note, Survivors, I'm Tara Newell. And I'm Collier Landry. And this is the Survivor Squad Podcast. We'll see you guys. Bye. The Survivor Squad Podcast is made possible by support from listeners just like you. Please subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. And please consider supporting this program by visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Survivor Squad.